Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. Telephone voice. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Hello. I don't know what episode this is. Yo, I've lost count, yeah. Must be, I'm going to say, eight. Yeah, we're between five and ten, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That range. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm very excited. And I really enjoyed listening to them. I had so much fun listening to them. Yeah. And I actually think I'll listen to them more now. Yeah. No, I I think so as well. It brings me back. Good Charlotte are the band that got me into rock music. I cannot remember where I first found Good Charlotte. I'm just going to say it was in a magazine. Yeah. No, I remember I had a Smash Hits magazine. I always used to get it because I was really into pop music. And they had like like bands to watch out for like at near the start of every yeah. issue and they had good charlotte and just like i know it was smash hits magazine so was it was gonna all, say <laughs> it was all pop but then it was them with their like benji with his like pole spikes and yeah. them all covered in tattoos all wearing black and i totally wasn't into anything like that but when i saw them i was like this is cool yeah <laughs> i was like i don't know what this is but i like it <laughs> and they're cute and then i think girls and boys then came out and got really big yeah. that single yeah and they were everywhere and i just became obsessed with them from there oh yeah because i went back to the first album then you know what i mean like i didn't know them when the first album came out yeah were you team joel or team benji joel he was yeah. like the first love of my life ever yeah. i was obsessed he to him was so cute and benji had a little bit of a chubbier face <laughs> he was just i think he was like too hardcore for yeah, me yeah. <laughs> now i'm not into like guys who are like crazy tattooed or anything like that it's too, it's too much for me are you not <laughs> <laughs> well not like i don't know i just think he's too extreme with I'm the just, eyeliner like, through my ex or your exes in my head actually <laughs> <laughs> me and my friends were so obsessed with them when we were about 13 or 14 we used to like obviously the internet wasn't like the way yeah. it is now but I know we found different forums and different websites and we used to, like, we learned so much information about them. <laughs> we knew crazy amounts of stuff about them because we were obsessed. And then, yeah, we found the first album after we'd already gotten into the second album. Then we got into the band Mest, M-E-S-T. Oh, yeah, 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 because they Because they were friends with yeah, Charlotte yeah, and then they used to talk about them. them. So then we got into them and we, like, knew... Oh, cute. Benji features on a voicemail that's played on the messed <laughs> album and all this like I knew every like little easter egg I knew everything about them oh god so you're gonna be throwing loads of random facts here <laughs> I can't don't remember wait. anything but listening to it was just so nostalgic so good they stuck in my head and I was singing along to them and oh I just missed it yeah didn't make them like they used to anymore <laughs> and with that let's talk about one of the originals good charlotte Woo! So Good Charlotte formed in 1996 wow. in Waldorf, Maryland, which most people probably know because I feel like they mention Waldorf a lot on their earlier songs. Mm-hmm. And something hilarious, which I found out was a few years after they had kind of gotten big and formed, Maryland apparently started a petition to try and get them to stop claiming Maryland as like their own. <laughs> oh, wow. Because <laughs> they didn't want to be associated with them. They're like, please stop. And then I think a counter petition started by all their like fans. <laughs> How random. So the lineup consists at the moment of the Madden brothers, Joel on vocals and Benji on guitar, Paul Thomas on bass and Billy Martin um, on other guitar. They've had a few drummer changes, but since 2005, their drummer has been Dean Butterworth. And that is it. No more lineup changes. Woo! <laughs> There's Probably a first. One of the most consistent lineups I've ever done on a podcast. <laughs> I Even I was looking at pictures of them when I was listening to them and seeing like, because obviously everyone talks about the Madden brothers. Yeah. But like seeing the other two guys, Billy and Paul, I was I like, know! oh! I remember that. They haven't changed. I used yeah. to love Billy. 
So obviously Joel and Benji met in the womb. <laughs> and after watching a Beastie Boys show in 1995, they formed Good Charlotte. When they graduated from high school two years later, they decided they weren't going to go to college and instead they would put all their energy and focus into the band. They met bassist Paul through his sister because Joel took her to prom. Oh. And their drummer at this time was a guy called Aaron, who went to school with them. The four of them began playing acoustic shows around Maryland. And it was one of these shows they met Billy and became good friends with him. And Billy even let the Madden brothers move in with him after they were evicted from their apartment. So cute. I just think Billy sounds like a real wholesome guy. (laughs) Like he'd just be super nice. When the three of them realised they shared many interests, Billy joined the band and the five people wrote and recorded new songs and demos. They then played as many shows as they could to get their name out there and build a fan base, even getting a support slot with Bad Religion and Blink-182, which I think is major. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're massive names, yeah. They left demos of little things with uh, local radio stations, and Benji was convinced it would be a hit due to the high school theme of the song. (laughs) It's such a good song. (laughs) Yeah, and I, like, he's not wrong, because all the kind of movies that were out around then, you know, all the rom-coms, they were all about high school and, like, the underdogs making it big... So a Sony music promoter got hold of the demo and passed it on to their talent manager who flew out to see the band perform at one of their shows. And at the same time, one of the biggest radio stations in Maryland began playing the demo. And by the end of 1999, the band had several major labels attending their shows. Fair play. Fair play to them. I mean, I feel like... so much time and effort into it. Yeah, like they really tried. Yeah. So many of the bands that we're talking about on on earlier episodes, it's like they just get this random big break. They don't have to put in any work. (laughs) Apparently as well, they said they used to literally go home from school and read books and magazines about like how to be a songwriter and how to be a promoter of yourself. That's and, so like, us. We would so do that. <laughs> they were like studying to be in the band. And then there was also this um, random bit where they went into their music teacher one day because they were so excited and thought they had invented a new chord. And their music teacher was like, that's just the C chord. Like It's been around for, <laughs> it's been around for a while, guys. I thought it was K. Yeah. <laughs> And so in 2000, Good Charlotte became a full-time touring band supporting the likes of Lit and Sum 41. But ultimately, it was Epic Records who signed the band in May of that year. Just a few months later in September, their debut album, the self-titled Good Charlotte, was released. And they also released a music video for Little Things, which features none other than Mandy Moore. Oh my god, I'm sure I've seen that, but I can't remember it. Well, obviously it's been there in the school, because Benji loves the school team. And then, you know, the bit where the line where mentions an ex-girlfriend. The ex-girlfriend in the video is essentially Mandy Moore. She's in it for about six seconds and she's like, has a look of disgust on her face. Mm. But apparently <laughs> the record label wanted to put her in the video because they wanted to market Good Charlotte as like a pop yeah. band. So they wanted to kind of put them in the same vein as the likes of Mandy Moore. But obviously it didn't go that way. I think like listening back to them, I didn't realise how there's so many like punk elements to them I know they're pop punk as opposed to emo but I, I've been so used to listening to emo yeah, music yeah. that when I listen to them I'm like oh I see that I that sounds a bit offspring or that sounds like yeah. there's like real punk influences yeah so despite all the initial interest in the band the record didn't do nearly as well as expected and they were almost dropped they spent the last few months of 2000 touring with different bands and eventually persuaded the label to let them make another video which is for the motivation proclamation and the video managed to gain a bit of traction. And by May of 2001, the album was consistently selling 3,000 copies a week. And they gained back some of their initial popularity. Hmm. 3,000 albums a week is pretty good, you know. I wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> if we sold three, we'd be like, yes. <laughs> We're huge, guys. <laughs> 
But it was 2002 when Good Charlotte's breakthrough single Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous thrust them into mainstream popularity. What a time to be alive. Oh, what a song. It was the first single I heard from the band. It was constantly played on MTV. The video had random appearances from people such as Chris from NSYNC and Kyle from Tenacious D. And was their first release from their second album, The Young and the Hopeless, which sold 4.9 million copies worldwide. And they said their influences for the album included Rancid, Social Distortion and The Clash, which I think is super cute because they're all super punk bands. Good Charlotte are like the Wish.com version yeah. of punk. Well, I mean, I said they had punk influences, but I wouldn't be like, these are hardcore punks. No, but you can tell. Like, they mention Social Distortion, obviously, in one of their songs. I think they mention them in two songs. Oh, no, Minor Threat. Yeah. But she likes Minor Threat. She likes Social Distortion. My girl. My girl. A hood rider needs an attitude adjustment. Emergency come. <laughs> They call someone a minor threat in one of the songs, yeah. which is obviously alluding to yeah. the oh, band. Oh, it's, um, I'm just a minor threat, so yeah. pay no mind. But you know that they're kind of winking at each other, yeah, being like, yeah. I love that band. Which is so funny. <laughs> so the popularity of this album meant that two years after its release, it was actually still charting on the Billboard 200 in America and had major success in New Zealand and Japan, as well as mainland Europe. And following its release, Good Charlotte supported No Doubt. Hmm. Which I think is a bit of a weird one. So do you love this album? Yes. I, I love, love it. it. Love it. And listening back it. to it, I love it all over again. And even the singles, like I thought I'd want to skip them because they were so overplayed. Yeah. But I really enjoyed them. Like they're such good songs. They're so catchy. They're so catchy. You just sing along, even though you're like, this is the most ridiculous song in the world. But I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I found like listening to the first album, I knew it was going to be cringy. And it was like, it's very like talks about high school it's and being popular and all that. Cringy, like yeah, it's yeah. quite, but it's still so good. But so then this good. one, like they really, I think found their sound and yeah, what worked for them. Yeah. It's not as cringy. Although like Bloody Valentine's pretty funny. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> wasn't, am I wrong about this, but wasn't one of the songs about their dog, Cash Dog. Do you remember him? Cash um, Dog was barking. Yeah. The day that I die. Oh, I don't know if that one was about him. I thought it was wandering. I don't know why I have that in my head. Then it was like, if you want me yeah. to wait. I was like, is that Cash Dog speaking? Do you want me to wait? <laughs> I could have totally made that up. Maybe. But that's in my head. I feel like that song is about it. There, there's, um, you know, the song that's like, <laughs> this is so weird. Because I, as I said, me and my friends at the time were so obsessed and like f- learned everything about them and all this. I don't know if we like read it somewhere or like, I feel like we were in some weird fucking forums, like as in... <laughs> like super fan Twitter or like we found like a weird niche part of the internet that was talking about Good Charlotte but there's that song that's like take out the light take out oh, the yeah. light start screaming I'm screaming yeah but apparently like that's meant to mean masturbating <laughs> but like I don't think it is I think someone said it somewhere on the internet and then me and my friends <laughs> used to like giggle about it so we were like 13 we're like <laughs> wait is that like, like some phrase take out the light means take well, out I think, dick no I think just like turn off the light and start touching yourself <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that was based on anything. I think that was just someone said it and then yeah, we so just latched just onto it. Start all these vicious rumours that they wrote songs about masturbating <laughs> and their dog. It's all about like when life gets too hard, turn off the lights, start masturbating. <laughs> Works I mean. for me. <laughs> not a bad motto, you know. Mm. I do specifically remember the video for the song Hold On. Hold on, because it had all the people who had attempted suicide and relatives of the people who have died by suicide. 
So they worked with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for this song and they released the song as a joint single with The Young and the Hopeless. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> like just that they released it as a joint single with another song that's like very upbeat. Like was, what yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> well, is it upbeat? Because it's called Young and Hopeless. So if we're talking about... Yeah, but it's... Preventing. It's still like a <laughs> uplifting song. I'm young yeah, and I'm hopeless. Great song. Going nowhere. Oh, hold on. Like, listen to that now as an adult. This reminds me like sitting in my room, like crying, listening to it, being like, I'll hold on. But I just remember like every time I had like a bad day, I'd be like, oh, Charlotte told you to do anything, you'd do it. 100%. You're like, yeah, I hate the rich and the famous. Yeah. Fuck them guys. Yeah, cash dog. Woo. <laughs> so after. The Young and Hopeless came the third studio album, which was The Chronicles of Life and Death, released in October 2004. And it was released in two different editions. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah, I forgot that as well. So the Life edition had Falling Away as a bonus track and the Death edition had Meet My Maker as a bonus track. So I had the Life edition. I didn't buy this album. (laughs) What? Yeah, I had like fallen out of love with Coachella by the time this yeah, came no, out yeah to be fair this album did not impress me I kind of bought it more so to be like a supportive fan as opposed to I actually wanted to ever listen to it my sister bought it and I remember listening to her copy a few times and I was like no nope, not for me and then I just kind of put Coachella away and that was it mm. but I also didn't realise the two editions had different artwork which is really cool because the life edition is supposed to resemble a first edition book and the death edition is supposed to resemble a hundred year old book oh that's really cool isn't that cool also I feel like at this time did they they had some sort of Japanese thing going on, weren't they all very into their... Yeah, and the f- isn't the first song on this album or one of them sounds kind of Japanese Yeah, it's like, it, yeah. I don't know why, because when you look at like their success, it's not like they did majorly better in mm. Japan than any other countries, but for some reason they seem to have some sort of affiliation to Japan. Well, listening to this, I actually was really enjoying it, even though I didn't like it when it came out. Now listening to it, I like, like, the first couple of songs on the album are absolute bangers, and then I do find it gets a bit samey as it goes on. Yes. But there are some really good songs on this album. Yeah. It was the band's highest charting album in the US and reached number three in the Billboard charts. For some of the promotional events for this album, the drummer from Alkaline Trio substituted their current drummer, Chris Wilson, as he was reportedly receiving therapy. Mm. Just like... Oh, I will... Going to see therapist. Shout a bit about that in a second. Oh, okay. It's like, or a drug therapy, or what's going on here? And this album had I Just Want to Live with the music video where they're all dressed as food. Yeah, I, I remember that, that. But that was a great video. They it's- came up in conversation the other day with like one of the guys in work who's like into metal, so wouldn't be into them but he was like oh they have that really good song I Just Want to Live and I was like out of all the Good Charlotte songs like that's, that's the you one pick. you want to pick out. Yeah. Weird, weird choice. Weird choice. So when I listened to the album at the time and when I listen to it now, you can tell they're trying to take a slightly darker turn. They also kind of alluded to, you know, F the government and talking about different issues like hold on. But I just felt this album really pushed more towards like questioning life and questioning things and the world and their singles. We believe. Do you remember it had all this kind of like war imagery in it? No, I don't remember. Have you ever saw the video for that? So. so I love this album and I'll sing along to it. But. There's a distinct lack of fun songs. Well, apart from Just Wanna Live. Yeah, yeah, apart from literally <laughs> yeah, that one. I, we were just talking about I Just Wanna Live and you're like, this album took a darker turn. I was like, did it? <laughs> I just wanna live. <laughs> it was just all very like, the world is, is it that song on it? The world is black oh, and hearts are cold <laughs> and there's no hope. Like, it was just all very, whoa, okay. <laughs> doing the opposite to what you're supposed to be doing and hold on. Yeah. <laughs> like, now I want to die. <laughs> 
So Benji Madden was apparently quoted as saying he didn't think this album was as successful as their previous record due to it being, quote, too selfish. And I think I understand that. I think they were trying to be more, let's yeah. all talk about our issues rather than being like, let's write some good songs, guys. So back to Chris Wilson. Yes, tell me more about his therapy. While touring for this album, Chris Wilson left the band for good, citing health reasons. However, afterwards, Chris slated the band on his Twitter, calling out the Madden Brothers and saying the reason for his health decline was, now listen to this, quote, <laughs> Now listen to this. <laughs> because I joined a band with two of the most egotistical, self-centered, backstabbing, corrupted individuals who are filled with broken promises. Wow. Like, just gets harsh, doesn't it? He also claimed he had been calling the band for a year trying to get his gear back and that he never made one cent off any merch or DVD royalties. So Joel Madden basically told him to go fuck himself, stating, you're not even skilled enough at your own craft to play on your own band's record. <laughs> this is Panic of the Disco. Yeah, okay. it is. And that he should get himself into a good recovery program, which kind of suggests that he was obviously into the old drugs. The old drugs. So the band... to them all. <laughs> The band clarified a bit more on their website where they said Chris was well paid for drumming with them but he did not write any songs with them so he is not included in the song writing royalties and that was something he knew from the get-go. Mm. Which I'm like, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was just bitter about it. I think it's probably when you see how much the money is that you're like, fuck, why was I not included in that? Yeah. <laughs> so three years later came the next album, Good Morning Revival, which has one of my favourite songs on it, The River. Absolute tune. But it was their first single and had Avenged Sevenfold's M Shadows and Sinister Gates. What a tune. Yeah. I think so at good. the time I was really into Avenged. Yeah. So even though I hadn't, like I'd kind of fallen out of, with Good Charlotte. Yeah. When that song came out, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I to my veins. It's just so good. <laughs> Such a banger. <laughs> it also had the song Keep Your Hands Off My Girl, which to be honest, I find absolutely cringeworthy. I... I couldn't believe how bad that song was. Keep your hands off my girl. I, like, I forgot about it. And then I was actually in Belfast there the other week. And I was just walking up the street with my headphones in. And I was listening to like all the good Charlotte. And then yeah. that song came on. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, wasn't this a single and everything? I was yeah. like, that's really bad. I do think. I got breath, knuckle singer from <laughs> oh, my Oh no, neck it's not that song as well. What yeah, it's so bad. Oh no, it's so crazy. It's really, and the fact that they chose to release that as a single is just... I think they're just, yeah, some of the lyrics I'm a bit like, mm, keep your hands off my girl. Mm, no, I just don't like it. You know? <laughs> you can see Danny's face right now. It's, just, <laughs> it's a bit like, yeah, so cringy. But it was a big hit for them, along with the song Dance Floor Anthem, which peaked at number two in Australia. What song is that one? I don't really know this album that well. Uh, when I listened to it, I remembered it, but I couldn't sing a few now. Yeah. But the promotion for this album was a bit more mainstream obviously i mean if they released a song called dance floor anthem <laughs> so the band appeared on shows like jimmy kimmel and randomly enough tila tequila's new year's eve masquerade remember tila do you tequila? remember tila tequila i used to love her i used to think she's so cool do you remember who even was she though like why was she famous was she not on like some mtv reality show or something yeah but she was famous, famous that? before that oh because her she had a reality show which i actually love and if i can find it i'm gonna watch it again Tequila Tequila I shot at love. I shot at love, yeah. And then oh. the next she obviously didn't find love, so the next season was She was a lesbian. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was a double shot at love because she was bisexual, so she could take oh. either. So, so good. So anyway, she could take either shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but apparently she threw this mask grey ball and good Charlotte appeared on it. 
cool. Or random. But the most random appearance or collaboration was when they supported none other than the man himself, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Just very bizarre. <laughs> like how? How does that even happen? Imagine going to see Justin Timberlake and Good Charlotte come out. I mean, I would enjoy it. I actually did go and see Justin Timberlake. <laughs> What? Uh, when I was about 14, 15. And I, or 14. Like, I was getting into rock music at the time. It would have been a really good time for me to it go and see been. Justin and see Good Charlotte at the same time. I suppose maybe it was the Keep Your Hands Off My Girl yeah. song. Mm. When Justin comes in with the bye, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Danny, what does every band do after they've released a few albums? I was going to say lose some members, but like, obviously not. Because <laughs> you said there wasn't any lineup changes. Remixes. Ah, uh, yes. Of course. That's what we all need. To be fair, the remixes were actually quite cool. They were mixed by artists like The Academy Is and Patrick Stump and Metro Station. We'll give them that. (laughs) And I actually listened to the Patrick Stump remix and it is exactly what you'd expect a Patrick Stump remix to sound like. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's not bad, but you can literally, like, if you had to guess, you'd be like, yep, this is Patrick Stump all over it. So even though we hate remixes, we'll forgive them for that one because I feel like it was kind of a cool thing to do. At least I didn't have any rappers. (laughs) So in 2008, the band started hinting about their fifth album, saying there'd be nothing dancey on it. Yay. (laughs) It would sound a lot like Blink-182. What What a weird thing to say. Yeah. Why would you be like, we're going to release an album, it's going to sound really like this other band. Like, (laughs) say you're going back. There's no dance music on it, it's going to sound really like Blink-182. But even would you not say, like, we're going to go back to our roots, we're going to go back to our early influences, we're yeah. going to, like, say something like that, where are you like, we are going to be Blink-182. <laughs> Just a bit younger. <laughs> Kerrang! magazine announced the fifth album would be called Cardiology and would be released in 2009. And I didn't know this, but its title comes from the fact the lyrical content is all connected to the heart. Wow. Cute, isn't it? Mm. It'd be cuter if the album was any good. <laughs> it was so bleh. Um, and again, one of these ones where the lyrics, I'm like, what is this? Like, isn't there one where it's like, I woke up last night and had the best night of my life or something. And then there's one about her birthday, like it's her birthday. Oh, God, yeah. What is that about? I don't know. It's like implying that we can only go out and get drunk when it's our birthdays. I, <laughs> hardly. <laughs> like, excuse me. <laughs> I listened to this on actually on the bus home from Belfast and it was the first time I've ever listened to the album ever. But it was like... No song stood out to me. No, I just thought it was... I don't think it aged well. It's very boring. It's very... Yeah, I don't know. It It didn't work for me at all. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this is the album that has sex on the radio. Oh, God. Again. Actually, some songs did stand out to me. The birthday woman and sex on the radio because they're so bad. They're so bad. And I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. I don't like... Not that they're being like, you know, derogatory towards women, but they kind of are a little bit sometimes. When I heard, like, when I looked at the title and saw Sex in the Radio, I was like, that's a bit fucking spicy for them. Like, they, yeah. they are pretty radio friendly, to be fair. Yeah. And But then I heard the song and I was like, oh. It's good Charlotte spicy. This like isn't spicy yeah. at all. <laughs> Just saying sex on the radio them. again and again. <laughs> <laughs> so despite them claiming the album was finished, the album release did not go ahead as planned. And in a twist of events, Joel announced in January 2010 that they were completely scrapping the album and starting again with a new producer. This old chestnut. (laughs) This is actually the second take of the album. So I'd love to know what the first take of the album was, if this is what... Sounded like (laughs) Blink-182. And they were like, shit, we can't release that. Then they were like, let's just put some fancy songs on it, like Sex on the Radio. The first single was Like It's Her Birthday and featured Tonight Alive. 
which I didn't know. But it makes me cringe. And a lot of them make me cringe. And it all sounds very teenagery. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I'm a bit like, okay, you must be what age at this stage? What was that, 10 years ago? They must be in their 30s. Like, stop talking about, like... Yeah. Oh, I left my phone in this girl's house. Best night of my life. Woo. Okay. No. So after cardiology, there was a lot of touring. And then in 2011, the band announced an official hiatus. I didn't know that. Did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they just kind of disappeared into the abyss. Yeah, I didn't. Like, do you have to announce hiatuses these days? And to be fair, just... I thought that the, they disappeared before cardiology. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Maybe that's why. So apparently they felt a bit burnt out and didn't like the way the music industry was controlling their image and ideas. I mean, I'm not being funny, but they've always looked the same. And this is what I mean about them being all like, when they try to go darker, they're all very like, fuck the people and fuck the whatever. And it's like, there's nothing really though, good Charlotte, that you're fighting against. Like. <laughs> Apart from like the bad guys in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they completely took down their website and sold off all their merchandise because they wanted a clean slate. Okay. And so while they were on this hiatus, they worked on other projects, including working on The Voice Australia. So the two of them were judges. I feel like I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. And they also formed the band The Madden Brothers, which they used to explore pop music. Okay. I did try and find some sort of evidence of this Madden Brothers. I could not find it on Spotify, so I have no idea what it sounds like. Like Their music isn't that far removed from pop. Like, no. to me, that they need to start their own band where they explore it. Like, yeah, yeah. And they're... I mean, I suppose all of the band are, like, rockers, like, I suppose, looks-wise. But especially Benji being the most hardcore looking with the tattoos yeah. and the pulse bikes and everything. And he, like, he wants to explore pop music. It's Yeah, and I mean, it obviously didn't go too well for them, seeing as I've no evidence of it existing. I feel like if you had asked me what they would have done, they would have gone and tried to make heavier music, the two of them. Yeah, like, yeah, we've heard that a lot with bands where they take a break because they want to move towards more metal-inspired roots or something. mm Whereas these two were like, no. Bizarre. Anyway, it didn't work out for them. And they basically started producing and songwriting for other bands like All Time Low and Five Seconds of Summer, who are a pop band. Mm. And during their hiatus, how cute is this? I just think this is the most Billy Martin thing you could ever hear. He worked as an illustrator for Nickelodeon and Disney. Isn't that just so cute? That is very cute. And then Paul, their bassist, got a degree. Fair play to him. (laughs) I don't know in what, but still fair play. And their drummer Dean just basically continued working as the session drummer for other bands. So their hiatus lasted four years, with the band announcing their return in 2015. I must have missed that email. <laughs> <laughs> missed the memo. <laughs> the Madden Brothers decided, hey, this pop thing is not really working out for us lads. And they wanted to make pop punk music again, and so contacted the other members who were like, sure. So something I didn't know, and I found quite wild is apparently for their first three albums they had this method where they wrote a song and recorded it instantaneously wow which when you hear it you kind of can see it you're like oh i feel like they didn't think this through and they just wrote it (laughs) (laughs) so for this album all the members and their families went to benji's house and all basically lived together for three months wow which is a lot of people so Joel and Benji would write a song, show the others, and then they'd practice it and record it. So each day they had rough outlines of new songs. Okay. And apparently this is like a thing. Like the other two do not contribute to the writing whatsoever. It's just Benji and Joel writing them all, bringing them back. That's because they're egotistical <laughs> maniacs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then bringing back to the other two and be like, hey, we're going to play this song. Which in one way is great because for the likes of you and me who have no songwriting abilities, it'd be great if someone else just wrote them for us. <laughs> but on the other hand, you don't have any real say in it. Yeah. And also imagine how much money they're making compared to you. Yeah, true. 
that is how like tensions form and bonds yeah. and things like that no don't get me wrong maybe the two of them are just obviously happy out being like yeah whatever we don't have to be in the spotlight but I just thought it was weird so these songs would eventually become their sixth album Youth Authority which features Kellen Quinn from Sleeping With Sirens and Simon Neal from Biffy Claro. Do you know, I was listening to it and the song that has Simon Neal on it, it started and I was like, this isn't good Charlotte. And I had to go look to see who it was. So I Googled it. And then I saw the other one with, with Callan Quinn as well. He's on fucking everything. He is on everything. Like I've yeah. never listened to Sleeping With Sirens, but I've listened to so many songs with Callan yeah, Quinn Yeah, and them. he has such a distinctive voice that you know him straight away. Yeah, I always think he's a girl. Yeah. I've seen like, I was like, actually. who's the girl featuring on this? And I was like, oh, Callan Quinn, that makes sense. <laughs> So the first single from this album, Makeshift Love, was released in 2015 with the album coming out the following year. Random tour collab again, I thought, was they supported All Time Low on their UK and Ireland tour. Which I find weird if they wrote songs for... For them and then just went supporting them. Yeah, and I just feel like they were maybe a bit bigger. Maybe at this stage, though, all the teenagers had Mm. decided, you know. Yeah. So when I was reading reviews for this album, they were mixed, as always. But one of the things I read that kind of stuck with me was someone saying how the whole underdog stance they take becomes a bit irritating after a while, which is exactly what I was thinking the other day. They're like, no, lifestyles of the rich and the famous. And then it's like, okay, but that's you now. So you can't really say that anymore. And I think I'm going to say something that's roughly really, really mean. Oh? <laughs> they need to get over their dad leaving. <laughs> <laughs> there are way too many songs about it. Like, way too many songs. I know. Like, sad for them. Wait, Go wait, to therapy. <laughs> I didn't know their dad left. What? No, I'm joking. <laughs> There's like 15 songs now. I'm only joking. <laughs> it's like the worst thing we ever found out about them. song that's like, Hey dad, oh, yeah. I'm writing to, to you. you. Not to tell you that I still hate then they have that other side, I love you, mom, or whatever. Oh, oh God. God yeah. Okay, we get it. We get it. But that is, yeah, it's kind of like they never grew up from, or at least their songs never grew up from the yeah. songs they wrote when they were first starting out, you know? <laughs> so other, we all have daddy issues. Get over it. <laughs> other people said the faults all lay within the slower songs and they should stick to the faster ones. Hmm. Probably not a bad thing to say. But the album did really well, reaching number 13 in the UK and number 23 on the US Billboard charts. But then I read a few quotes from Joel, where he basically admits that the album was grand and they enjoyed making it, but they didn't really dig as deep and admitted two of the songs were on it because they felt they had to include them, but they didn't actually want to. <laughs> Could you not have, like, written other songs? Like, what? Yeah, that just seems so odd to me, considering... It's like, they couldn't be arse. Like. Yeah, and they completely scrapped the previous album because they obviously weren't happy with it. So then to release this and be like, meh, it's grand-like. That's really it's bizarre. It's just a bit... It's like, do you know what? The album was fine, but actually, we'll admit it, lads, we didn't really put that much effort into it. To be fair, this and cardiology were similar to me. They're like, yeah. meh. Yeah. Absolutely meh. Nothing stand out on it whatsoever. At least not in a good way. So the next release after this record was actually a few Christmas songs in December 2017, including a cover of Wham's Last Christmas. Why? Have you heard it? No. It literally just sounds like Good Charlotte singing Last Christmas. Why does that exist? <laughs> Absolutely unnecessary. Oh, it's so unnecessary. And I don't know. I didn't even bother listening to the other ones. Wouldn't recommend. And then they actually played at a memorial service for the rapper Lil Peep, who was apparently a big fan of the group, Mm. at the end of 2017, which led them to reflecting a lot and inspired them to write a new record. So six months later, we're banging out the albums again, and they announced a new album set for September 2018 called Generation Or X. The inspiration for the title was the opioid epidemic. Okay. 
I know, I'm getting deep here. Yeah. Daddy has left the building. <laughs> so all they needed was someone to die to give them a little inspiration. <laughs> Lil Peep had died of fentanyl over- overdose and Orex is used as an abbreviation for medical prescriptions. So that's where they got it. Because okay. so, I actually didn't know when I like saw the name of the album. I was like, wonder what that means. Yeah, I didn't know what it meant either. And then I realised, sure, I literally see that written down in work every day and I didn't cop. <laughs> but anyway, so the working title was apparently Cold Song. Oh, Jesus. But they changed it when they realised the common theme running through the album, are you ready for this? <laughs> was pain. Shit. <laughs> that hit deep. <laughs> so deep, bro. So deep. <laughs> so all of the lyrics on this album are written by the Madden Brothers. Most of the songs are written by the Madden Brothers and Zach Servini, who produced the album. So again, the other two just not getting a look in here. Do you think? Billy's just in the background drawing a picture. I was going to say. <laughs> Paul's just there studying. Like... <laughs> Tell us when you're ready, guys. <laughs> Do you think like they even tried? Do you think sometimes they might have brought a song to the Madden Brothers and been like, hey guys, I got this really cool song. And they're like, shut up, Paul. Go back Absolutely to- <laughs> not. <laughs> Imagine. So the Madden Brothers drew on several experiences for their lyrics, including their relationship with their wives and their children and also with their parents. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Dad left. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I actually enjoyed this album. The, oh, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Oh, yeah. I was... Because the other two were so boring. And then I was like, oh, I've got one more to get through now. And then I was like, oh, yeah, actually, I like this. I couldn't tell you actually one song from the previous album, Youth Authority. But this one, I was actually going and checking the titles. I mean, like, what is this song? I really like it. Yeah. yeah. Fair play, lads. Fair play. They just needed that death to keep them going. Just, <laughs> it's all a little peep. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, the band raised money doing various live streams and donated it to charitable efforts in their community. And then in 2020, they released a single called Last December, which I don't think is any sort of relation to Last Christmas. <laughs> um, this was their first new music in two years. It's just <laughs> Last December, gave you my heart. <laughs> yeah, guys, new music from us. <laughs> we wrote the lyrics. We wrote the lyrics. <laughs> We're from DC. Yo. <laughs> Maryland, Waldorf, worldwide. <laughs> Uh, I actually meant to listen because I saw on Spotify that they had a few singles and I meant to listen and I forgot I did not Um, that's it in terms of music really that has brought us up to date there's been no mention of any new music coming out did you see oh you sent me the clip of them at Sophia Ritchie's wedding yeah so good so good but as a whole the band has largely stayed away from any major controversies bar Chris Wilson calling them out (laughs) which you would expect when you think of Good Charlie you really don't think of yeah controversy they're like nice boys in baggy trousers trying to be cool yeah (laughs) so billy martin is vegetarian and he won peter's vegetarian of the year in 2012 do you know what's so funny i feel like anybody in the entire world who's famous and is vegetarian has won that award like they really just give it to everybody i was gonna say would you not try go for that next year i will yeah i think you should podcaster danny wins vegetarian of the year 2024 I don't think it would be hard. I think I think I could like, be in the running. <laughs> what do you have to do to become a vegetarian of the year? I don't know. Like, I literally feel any person I've ever read about who's a vegetarian has won that award at some stage. That was hilarious. I never even heard of it. <laughs> he really did not eat any meat. But then, <laughs> <laughs> and he was really good at it. <laughs> but then he was also a very bad vegetarian because the band were heavily criticised when they went and did a whole load of promotional videos for KFC the same year. And they were deemed as being hypocritical, which is fair enough. Maybe he just had the chips. <laughs> KFC did do a veggie burger a couple of years ago. It was before the pandemic. 
for Veganuary. They did a vegan burger. Yeah. And I have to say, it's absolutely unreal. Do you know what? And then they got rid of it and I'm disgusted. <laughs> well, I went to KFC there last week for the first time in about, I'm going to say 10 years. I was so excited. I just got my laser hair removal. There's a drive through <laughs> KFC right there. And I was like, do you know what? I'm doing it. Thursday treat to myself. I'm going to do it. And then I started panicking being like, I don't know what to order. So then when I got to the the bit where you have to order because it's a drive through I just panicked and I ordered chicken fillet burger and then I ordered like an extra side of chicken because you can't have enough chicken <laughs> and then I drove off and like drove to a car parking space where there was a load of other women my age <laughs> on a Thursday sitting there eating their KFC and it was the most disappointing thing oh no I was so sad that's so upsetting like the chicken was all greasy and stringy and there was mm. not much chicken on it I don't like the chicken on the bone I like the chicken that has no bones you know and then the chicken fillet burger was literally just a piece of chicken slapped on to a bun squirt of mayo like one piece of lettuce so sad so fuck you KFC <laughs> anyway we they deserve it. the criticism yeah like Charlotte promoting bad food exactly so I love this because the only controversy you find about them is that they're bad vegetarians it's not really a lot else <laughs> that's kind of the band as a whole so obviously we know a lot more about the Madden Brothers themselves. You don't really know that much about Billy and Paul. They keep themselves to themselves. And I can't remember who the drummer is at this stage. Dean, is that him? Yeah. So for the Madden Brothers, they've kept themselves in the limelight a lot more than the other two. Thanks to their dating history. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this? I remember. Like, I don't know. I feel like they dated loads of famous people. Yeah. So Benji Madden was known in the day to be a serial dater. And he dated Holly Madison from... I don't think I knew that. Playboy Mansion. Yeah, I know who she is. And I read her book. She's sorry, I was just saying in case the fucking podcasters didn't know who she was. Hey, number one fan over here. You read her book. Did she not mention Benji? I can't remember. I don't think so. Maybe she wrote it before. And he also dated Paris Hilton, who he was obviously introduced to, I would say, by Sophie. No, not Sophia Ritchie. The other one, Nicole, Nicole Ritchie from The Simple Life. And he was also engaged to Sophie Monk, who was the host of Love Island Australia. Oh, I don't know who she is. I d- obviously didn't know who she was at the time, but when I looked her up, I was like, oh yeah, I do know who she is. So since January f- 2015, he's been married to Cameron Diaz. That's so strange. So random. So Very random. So, so random. And then when you look up about how they met and stuff, I think they met at a charity basketball event and there's like a picture of the two of them together and Cameron Diaz is just this like tall, gorgeous, blonde woman and Benji just looks like this chubby child beside her. Like it's so... My type. Red- <laughs> it's just so weird and she's been quoted as saying like as soon as she met him she was like wow how have I not like noticed him before like he's amazing you okay. didn't notice the guy that's like covered in tattoos wearing <laughs> eyeliner with like massive hair you didn't notice him <laughs> <laughs> so they got married after less than a year of dating and they have a daughter together Radix Madden who was introduced to the world via Instagram in 2019 so I don't know was she born via surrogate I kind of assumed she was because Cameron Diaz was never pregnant to me I don't know. Was she? I think she might have been. I think that's what it was assumed. I can kind of see her with a pregnant belly in my head, but I think that was in a movie. (laughs) (laughs) That might not have been real life. Yeah, Radix. What do you think of the name? It's Rad. That's exactly what Benji said. (laughs) Yeah. He said, some might say it's Rad. (laughs) I am some. I did say it. (laughs) You and Benji are like soulmates. Yeah. He's too hardcore for me. Uh, but apparently they like absolutely love each other and she's always quoted as being like he's just changed my life and made me think of like family values and he's just so good and fantastic and he's like she's made me a better person love her so much she's absolutely beautiful I'm like that's so cute yeah 
I like that. I do feel like the, the Madden brothers seem very family oriented. Oriented. Yeah, because they don't have a dad. <laughs> <laughs> they just had to love their mom a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I also think they are quite religious. Yeah. I think Joel... See, that's why we're not soulmates. Yeah. Joel said something about like how... I think it was to do with the Chris Wilson drama. He said he doesn't like to get involved. He just basically goes off and reads his Bible and then starts his day. That's why they're not controversial. Cute. They're too busy praying to Christ. <laughs> but you remember when we were doing this and you were like, please don't tell me they turn out to be perverts. Yeah. I kind of forgot about Joel dating Hilary Duff. Oh, there was a big age difference. Wasn't yeah, there? she was 16. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. He was 25. Oh, he's a pervert. <laughs> it's like, Damn it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a little bell. <laughs> also, I should have rang it earlier on when you were talking about all time low. They're cancelled. Are they? Oh, 100%. Are they pervs? Oh, really bad. Why? Oh, I went on like a deep dive the other day reading oh. all about it. It's a it's a whole story. Who's who's a pervert? Um, I don't know them. The I've, never, I've never listened to them in my life. Well, actually, now that we said this, so Good Charlotte or Jill, maybe just Jill, um, collabed with Waterparks. Do you know Waterparks? Mm-hmm. For when they're singles. And I'm pretty sure Waterparks are perverts. Hmm. It's always fucking perverts. I think they're children. Or they not? Like in my head, water parks are children. But I mean, you can still be a pervert even though you're a child. True. <laughs> we should play a drinking game every time someone's a pervert. No, we'd be locked. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I think that there's some tour somewhere coming up in the summer and Good Charlotte are playing with All Time Low. And like, because of all the stuff about All Time Low coming out at the minute, everyone's kind of hounding the bands that are supporting them and being like, please like, do uh... not play with them and all this. But there's no sign of Good Charlotte backing out no because he's a pervert <laughs> they've got loads in common yeah <laughs> so yeah he was 25 and she was 16 and i do remember this at the time and then it was actually her mother who confirmed the two of them were dating so i mean i don't know what you think of this but obviously if her mother is like yeah the two of them are dating her mother was obviously fine with it yeah but it doesn't mean it's right <laughs> no but what i mean is in terms of her at some stage some sort of parental guidance has to come in there to be yeah. like uh, no, you're 16, you're 25, you're not dating my daughter. I have a child and I would literally, like, string that guy up by the balls. Like, maybe it's because they had no dad figure to... No, sorry, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, no. Just... 25, you're a whole-ass grown man, like, absolutely not. Yeah, and apparently she... What would they even talk about, like, she's in school, probably, I don't know. Well, there was this whole big interview with them in, I don't know, was it Teen Vogue or something? And... She had some quote where she was like, people assume because he's got tattoos, he's a bad boy. People assume because I have blonde hair, I'm perfect. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't assume that million. <laughs> My first assumption. <laughs> was it not that? But also, they only confirmed they were dating when she was 16. So Ooh. who knows what could have been happening <gasps> before that. She lost her virginity to him. Why is this known? Yeah, I think she made some sort of hint in when she was talking about it afterwards. She said like, oh, I was 16 at the time and he was whatever. And she was like, you know, you can make your own guesses as to what we were up to or something. Jesus Christ, I feel sick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they dated for two years and broke up in November 2006. And then Joel began dating Nicole Richie in December 2006. Wow. So there was not much of an age gap there. No ledge between the veg. Oh my god, it's not a phrase. <laughs> it's, it's from I Love You Man, that movie. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. I didn't know that was <laughs> that. 
But yeah, essentially, no. There was none. <laughs> no latch between the latch at all. <laughs> so Hilary Duff has been very open about this relationship and she wrote, like, I don't know, an album about it or something. Wow. And now apparently they hang out together all the time. There's that man who took my virginity. Yeah, so... Well, I was a child. <laughs> she's married now as well and I think they all go on, like, these weird double dates together. I don't like it. No. But Joel and Nicole have two kids together, Harlow and Sparrow. I forget which one is the male and which one is the female. And they got married in 2010. And I do think that would be a fun group to hang out with. Maybe not Joel because he's a pervert. But <laughs> Benji, Cameron and Nicole. Mm, I don't know. I don't know what we'd talk about. We would clearly talk about how Joel is a pervert. <laughs> we'd be like, tell us all about Hilary Duff. God. Yeah, I was real sad when I found that out. But I remembered it at the time. Yeah, like, there was a while when these kind of things were just known and accepted. Yes, because when I was looking it up for this, there's so many um, kind of articles and stuff where it's like, why was this just acceptable at the time? And it's still kind of not really frowned upon too much now. Like, you don't really bat an eyelid at it. I mean, we do, because well, we're normal. <laughs> and we're not a pervert. Because but... I've got my non-solar <laughs> bell ringing every time I hear these things. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, the perv vibes, they're just always going to be in this podcast. We should rename it. Pervert Stories. Foundations of Perverts. <laughs> Where did they start off as perverts? Perverts of emo. <laughs> did I miss any random facts that you can remember? No, I, all mine were really weird, like about their dog and just stuff like that. And about what their happens to their dog? I don't know. I presume he died. No, don't say that. <laughs> they're still writing songs about him. Are they? Is he not still alive? I don't know. <laughs> And that is it for the Good Charlotte controversy. There's literally none. I mean, I think... <laughs> apart, apart from being a pervert. Yeah, I think that's... Minor kind of, controversy. <laughs> controversy in itself, really, isn't it? So what is your song to repeat? It's the river. Like, it just has to be. Yeah. It is so good. It's so good. Like, it never gets old. Over the years, even though I, like, hadn't listened to Good Charlotte in a long time, I have listened to that song. Yeah. Over the years. Yeah. And it is. It's such a repeater. You just put it on. You're like, oh, let's go again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that was because Avenged Sevenfold were in it? They do add an extra element to it. Do you think maybe Benji and Jill were like, you're not allowed to write this song. You have to write what we <laughs> I wonder uh, who wrote it, actually. Um, like, did they all write it? I think because it's a good song. Definitely not the Madden brothers. <laughs> it's actually just an Avenged Sevenfold song. The Good Charlotte appeared on. But I was thinking, you know, I know they're different genres. As we say, these are like pop punk and Take Back Sunday or emo. But when you compare them to Take Back Sunday, they're like lyrics and how, or even Fall Out Boy and how like smart they are and clever they are. And then you get to Good Charlotte and it's like, yeah, no, there's no, no one on there. sounds like sex on the radio. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's my song on repeat, which I wouldn't have picked only for the fact that I sent you the lyrics of it and then it was stuck in my head all the time. And every time it came on, I was like, yeah, it's Riot Girl. <laughs> she got tattoos and piercings. It's just so bloody catchy. It is. I did enjoy so catchy. that song, to be fair. Even though it's terrible. I even listened to it this morning. I was like, God, these lyrics are horrendous. <laughs> like, I think you need to listen to Good Charlotte knowing what you're going into. Exactly. Yeah. That's 100%. You have to go in and like accept the fact that they are cringe. Like, I know when I was a teenager, I thought they were life changing. And like, I thought everything was so deep. I don't know how I thought that. Because <laughs> I don't think you can go... I was go... like waiting for you to finish that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. what, what I was young. <laughs> it was my first rock band. Okay, I thought this was like intense. But I think once you go in not thinking that you're going to have your life changed, you're like, just want to listen to some catchy yeah. tunes. I think you can enjoy Good Charlotte. 
I think they were the embarrassing band to listen to in the sense that, you know, if there was someone who was like cooler than you and they were like, who's your favorite band? You're like, good Charlotte. They're like, they're not an actual rock band. Yeah. Like, no, shut up. They are. That's it. They were, they were my gateway drug into rock music. So I'll always appreciate them for that. But I went from them to Linkin Park and that was a big, a big step. One step closer, (laughs) one would say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you seen them play live? I've never seen Good Charlotte. No, you have. Have you not? I haven't. You're lying. <laughs> when you said that, you said it so confidently. I was like, have I? <laughs> Did you not go see them the year I saw them? No. Oh, you know, I've, I've never been to see them, I don't think. Oh, that's real sad. That's the only time I went to see them anyway. And I also can't remember it. So I'm sure it wasn't that great. <laughs> uh, and then what is your song to skip? To get your hands off my girl or keep your hands off my girl or whatever yeah. the fuck. Yeah. Oh my God. The second that came on, I was like, what? Yeah. And I, I did. I thought it was going to be a single. Because I was yeah. like, oh, like girls and boys and lifestyles, like they're quite overplayed. But then I enjoyed listening to them and I didn't want to skip them. And then that song came on. I was like, oh God, I never want to hear this again in my life. Yeah, mine was between that one or Sex on the Radio. Because mm. I was just embarrassed for them. Like, can you imagine them being on stage? Keep your hands off my girl. And Cameron Diaz, they're like, yeah... No. Brass knuckles hanging from my neck. Didn't their brass knuckles have cash dog on them? Am I just obsessed with cash dog? <laughs> you just keep bringing this back around to the dog, Claire. I don't know. Hang on, I need to look this up. I'm obsessed. Oh my god. What? Oh my god. What? So I just googled cash dog. Yes. And it says It might sound like it's for a girl, but this song was inspired by the group's dog Cash and it's wondering. No way. I was so fucking right. I told you. If you I want actually me love to that wait, song. I will wait I for you. I don't know if I like it now. It's about a dog. It's about cash dog, yeah. It was a boxer that they owned in the 1980s. Oh my God, so cute. Not much is known about him and it's assumed he has since passed away. The Good Charlotte song, Wondering, it's about cash dog. <laughs> oh, I wanted to talk about actually another song. You know the song, um, Seasons, from their very first album. It's so nice remind me of... When I heard that song, like, this time around, as an adult, <laughs> it transported me back to being 13 years old. I mean, like, oh my god, I can't wait to be in love with somebody. Hang on. <laughs> Did we not cover that? Huh? Did we? I just feel like the harmonies in that we had to have. I hope so. I'd say we did a really good job. I think we would have, yeah. Does it ring a bell? Did I do that for, like, my leave insert? Yeah, I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> like... But that's also, we haven't talked about it, but I don't think Joe has the best singing voice. Yeah, no, he's not great, like. Bit nasally, and he is a judge on the voice. I mean, Mm. okay. Mm. Sorry, I'm just trying to find pictures of their brass knuckles. Maybe if I Google Good Charlotte brass knuckles. And what it was like when we were together. Oh my God, look how young they are there. Well, babies. Yeah, I feel like they had these and they were like cash dog. Or are they just brass knuckles? They're just brass knuckles. Right, never mind, guys. Never mind. <laughs> I know, I should know. I have them tattooed on me. Do you? Yeah. My Where? tramp stamp. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on now. Just let me get Oh my God, do you fucking do? <laughs> Is that like for good Charlotte? No. So you can keep singing. Oh my God, you can sing it. I got brass knuckles. Tatted on my S. And my back. <laughs> oh, so in conclusion, we love Good Charlotte. We will always love Good Charlotte. The songs bring us back. Joe is a perv, and they're just not the best at writing songs, but a perfect them. <laughs> if you don't like good music, you'll really like Good Charlotte. <laughs> do you think many people do like Good Charlotte? 
I mean, obviously in America they do and stuff like I that. I feel like anyone who likes them is our age and it's the yeah. throwback. I don't know if they're getting many new like followers these days. Yeah, like do you feel like people would be like, oh, it's a podcast about Good Charlotte. I never listened to them. Or do you think there'll be people like us who would be like, Good Charlotte, I love them. I think it's all the nostalgia. Come with us to the nostalgic times, guys. Listen to this podcast. Well, yeah, I was going to say that is kind of the premise of the yeah. podcast. Um, and speaking of nostalgia, the next episode... Oh my God, I'm so excited. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to do The Used. Oh my God, I haven't listened to The Used in so I was literally listening to them long. a few weeks ago and I heard, like had one or two songs on and I was like, yes, I'm doing them. Because I was tossing up between them and someone else. But then once I heard The Used, I was like, nah, oh fuck, I have to do this. I have to do it. As soon as you said The Used there, my head just went... Is it worth the can you even hear me? I'm so excited to listen Cute. to him. Bert McCracken. Is he a pervert? Bert McCracken. Let's find out what pervy things he's done. I don't know any off the top of my head, but I mean, at this stage, we can just assume. <laughs> Somebody told me a tragic story about him, and I think it was totally made up, but you can tell me in the podcast. Okay. I haven't started my research yet, so <laughs> we'll find out. All will be revealed. I'm excited for that one. So and if you know Danny, she's the spicy one. There will be some more other than him being a bad vegetarian. I actually don't know like anything about the used, apart from Bert McCracken and <laughs> how they were friends with MCUR. But I don't know anything about the band or their private Have lives. So, well, apart from that he dated Kelly Osborne. Oh my <laughs> god, he did. Yeah, let's save it for the episode. Save it for the episode. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to episode what we think is eight. <laughs> Who knows? Not us. It's not like it's our podcast or anything. <laughs> if you liked this <laughs> and, and want to know more, follow us on social media. We are Foundations of Emo on Instagram and on TikTok. And we are Foundations Emo on Twitter, which I don't use, so probably don't follow us there. <laughs> but maybe one day I will. One day we'll tweet something and it'll be epic. I've just fallen out of love with Twitter myself, so I don't use it at all. So that's why oh, I don't I use our own page. I today and I got really angry because some stupid fucking idiot in, I think it was the Irish Independent. Did you see that? Oh, about the abortions? Yeah. Oh. And I was like, I hate Twitter all over again and all these stupid men. Anyway. Abortions for all. <laughs> Repeal the eighth. Okay, bye. Bye.